Welcome to Pursue Ministries. You're listening to Men's Fraternity, Final Session 17, Man and His Life Journey. The speaker is Bill Howard. All right, let's go, uh, guys, to our notes. And I'm going to just make a couple comments here to sort of bookend Men's Fraternity and um, on Session 17, because ultimately, Session 17 is really where we want to go with regard to our masculine journey, and that is to be a devoted follower of Christ. So if you look at your notes here, guys, it says, what is a man to be? And here's the thing. A man is to be a guy, point A, he is to abide in Christ. And why we ask, ask the question, what is a man to be? Because a lot of times a guy thinks about what a man is to do. But really the bigger question is, what is a man to be? And here's the thing, guys, in a very simple way, this will give you peace. We are to be in Christ, to rest in Christ, to put our lives in Christ, to trust in Christ. And as you begin that relationship in Christ, some of you have done that at various places along your life journey, but in the context, the Bible, in, especially in the Gospel of John, has two main words that are used most often. It's the word believe, and the second word that's used most often in the Gospel of John is the word abide. So as you believe in Christ, you are born again, and then when Christ comes into your life, then as he now lives in you, you abide in him. The word abide means to remain, to stay, to stay put. Rollo May, an old psychologist, was once asked about humanity and our struggles in life, and he made this statement where he said, human beings are the only creature that runs faster when he's lost his way. In other words, when, when we don't know where to go or what to do, we tend not to stay put. We tend to run and try to control it ourselves and make it happen and and journey outside of this resting, abiding in Christ. And so what God tells us to do is, listen, just stay here. Stay put. I will take care of you. You need to listen to me, and I'll give you some direction. Does that make sense? And so the first thing, guys, to be is to abide in Christ. Second thing, guys, he is to be in the Word. Because you cannot abide in Christ and remain with him unless you're doing two things like any relationship. If you're married, two aspects of a relationship are involved in the communication of two human beings. And that is, in communication, you have to talk and you have to listen, right? And to abide with God, you have to be able to talk with God and then you have to, more importantly, learn to listen to God. And there's a reason why this is called the Word of God. So imagine if you're in a relationship, guys, and uh, you're married and you have not listened to your wife for six months. How do you think she's going to react to that? Probably not very favorably, right? Because you are going to not be able to communicate or connect to her heart or know what she needs because you're not listening to her. 
By the way, it's the number one complaint of a wife for their husbands. It's the hardest thing in my life is to listen to my wife. It's just hard, is it not? It's just hard for men, period, to listen. But more importantly, it's hard for men to listen to the Word of God. And I've just discovered that men, if you ask a lot of guys, yeah, I really want to read the Bible, but man, I don't. And a man, I can't memorize it. I just am having trouble. But the crazy thing is you ask a guy, tell me about fantasy football and, and who's on your team. And what are the stats of the guys that you are investing in? Boy, they could go and list it off. You know why? Because they've memorized the guys in their team and what those guys represented them for their fantasy football team, right? Guys can memorize if you want to. And so the question is, what do you want? Do you want to abide in Christ and get to know him and listen to him and learn the wisdom of the God who created you or not? It's up to you. But that's, what, that's how you abide. You've got to get with God, hang out with God, stay with God, and then listen to God. And I, all I can tell you is the more you listen to God, it changes the way you talk to God. Because God will, he will burst your borders. He'll expand your life. He'll give you a vision beyond yourself and teach you how to go from being a wiffle ball guy, a man of no impact, to a baseball guy, a guy who has impact because of what's happening inside the interior of his life. But the only way that change occurs, guys, is to go from the wiffle ball to the baseball is to interact with God and have wound around your heart convictions that have come as he's whispered to you from the word of God. And so as you look at this uh, here with the Bible, the word of God, uh, as we interact with it, there's five things. As somebody once said, if you get a grip on the word of God, the word of God gets a grip on you. So the way to get a grip on the word of God is you, and this is why I was mentioning to you guys Route 66, because if you've never interacted with the Bible in a way to at least understand it, because all I can tell you is, well, what I want to do with Route 66 is get you guys so interested in the Bible that you go, I have got to find out what's in this thing. Because it is really cool. So if you get a grip with your hand, there's five fingers that help you get a grip. And so in the idea of gripping the Word of God, uh, the first thing here is to hear uh, the Word of God. So number one here is uh, your little finger is hearing says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Think about that. Faith, which is the only way to please God, comes by hearing, not talking to God. Faith comes not by talking to God. Faith comes by hearing from God. And hearing from God comes from the word of God. See, it's inseparable. You cannot grow apart from the word of God and you cannot listen to God. I don't care how much you pray. If you're not listening to God, uh, here's the thing, guys. The Bible teaches that there's other things in your life out of sorts. Your prayers may be bumping the ceiling. They're not going anywhere. And your spiritual life will be frustrated. So the start, the starting point is to first listen to the word of God. Now, 
If all I do is listen, which and most guys that's coming to church, you come to church and depending upon how good the pastor is, about all you get of listening is hearing from somebody else teaching, like me telling you or somebody else telling you at church. And if that's all you get, if that's the only grip you got, it's pretty easy to snatch that away. Jesus has a parable talking about the word of God, how the birds come and if it just falls upon the side of the road, the birds come and eat it and take it away real quick because it never roots out. I'm telling you guys, if all you're doing is going to church, showing up and hearing, I'm telling you, you're a shallow Christian. You're probably, your spiritual life is probably rather impotent. And you're probably not having much of an impact because there's not a lot occurring on the interior. If you ask a guy, even in this church, as great as this church is here, I think this is a great church. But if you talk to people as they walk out of here, well, tell me, what did he say? And people go, I don't know, I can't remember, but it was really good. <laughs> Made me feel something, right? And so you got to go deeper than that. So the second idea here, guys, is to read the Word of God. Number two, so you hear it, you read it. Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is he who hears and reads the Word of God, of prophecy, and heeds the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So blessed is the guy who hears and reads. So if you do that, you get a little better grip. Thirdly, you have to then study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves, approved to God as a workman who has no need to be ashamed, handling accurately the Word of God. So to be a workman who has no need to be ashamed, handling accurately the Word of God. All I can tell you guys when it comes to the questions about God, everybody has an opinion about God. But opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. But the word of God, the Bible teaches, is true and it lasts forever. And so what's good is to be able to handle this so that if questions come, you can say, you know, the scripture says, God says, here's what the scripture says about that. So that when you are, quote, representing God, you're not representing God on your behalf. You're representing God handling accurately the word of truth so that you can represent God correctly. You know, one of the commands is thou shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. I'm telling you, the way it happens most often are people who do not know the word of God and misrepresent God and do not take the name of God. In fact, they take the name of God in vain because they don't teach the word of God accurately. So I can tell you, if you're out there running around saying God is this and God is that, and if it's not according to the word of God, then you're in major violation. The Bible talks about that. But that's why we need to study it. So you read it, you hear it, you study it, Better grip. Now, here's the way, guys, that your grip is. And you know, the thumb is what makes us a unique creature, right? And the two other aspects, this forefinger and the thumb, those things are powerful, aren't they? 
It's where most people never get in their spiritual life with the Word of God. And that is, fourthly, is to memorize the Word of God. Psalm 119, 11, uh, David writes, Thy word I have treasured or hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so uh, the idea of memorizing, putting the word of God in your heart so that as your hard drive spins spiritually, and let's say you're a follower of Christ, the spirit of God lives in you, and you're out bumping through life and you've got a financial decision to make about life and you're not sure what to do with money and maybe there's a guy that wants to invest with you but maybe that guy's not a good guy and, but he sure seems to have a good opportunity but, but, but you're not thinking about the word of God you're just thinking about money but you're kind of going I, I don't know if things are right I'm trying to figure out what to do how do I handle this? what do I do? your hard drive is spinning Here's the thing, the Spirit of God, if indeed you're a follower of Christ, lives in you. And He wants to speak to you. But like any hard drive, if the information is not on the disk, it cannot be pulled off of it for an answer. You know, if you hit your computer and go, Google search, da 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 Listen, if the answer's not on there, it's not going to show up on the screen. Right? Because, guys, as we take the Word of God and memorize it and put it on our hard drive, we give the Spirit of God His vocabulary by which to speak to us about a guy, about a decision, about money, about a wife, about your kids, about whatever. And so you at least have some kind of reasonable answer to a question that's going on in your own life that God may give you. Maybe you're a young man and you're messing around with girls. Listen, you read Proverbs 1 through 8. If that doesn't scare the peyote out of you on what kind of girl you're messing around with because she'll grab you like an ox to the slaughter, put a ring in your nose and drag you to the pit of hell and you won't even know it. And just like that, she'll grab you. And you may end up marrying a person like that. And then you got somebody in your life that's got a whole bunch of baggage that you now have to deal with the rest of your life because the word of God went spinning on your hard drive. And God might have been going, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me give you some wisdom. Let me tell you. But he's new. Because you don't know the word of God. Before you're like, God, what do you want? Right? People, ah, does that make sense? Huh? That's the way it works. So you have the word of God and you memorize it. And all of a sudden you got your hard drive spinning and God said, hey, listen, Bill, let me tell you, things in your marriage, you need to love her like I love you. You need to understand that she is a woman. She's not a guy. You can't treat her like a guy, as with a weaker vessel. Let me tell you, you need to grant your wife uh, privilege. You need to understand she's a fellow heir of the grace of God. You are not over her or under her. You are beside her. She is with you. You need her input. 
and you need to grant her honor because listen, if not, it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, that your prayers are being hindered, which means basically if we're not living with our wives in a correct way and taking care of them, that our prayers are bumping the ceiling. And all of a sudden you go, okay, God, that's what I need to do. Now, we don't do it perfectly, but at least now you know the direction to go, right? You know what to do. So that's how it works. And then fourth or fifthly, guys, I'm not going to struggle, but I will here in a minute, Bo. Because now this last thing, this thumb, is amazingly powerful, is it not? Because fifthly, uh, we need to meditate on the word of God. And uh, in Joshua 1.8, it says, This book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you're, you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For you will make your way prosperous, and then, then you will have success. See, worldly success may be just financial. But real success is not only financial, it's deeper than that. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's relational. It's, it's a baseball. It's a, it's a man of impact. That's real success. And so, guys, the way that happens is to meditate. And literally, the word meditate in the Bible, it uses it to meditate on the Word of God. Uh, when he said to Joshua, meditate, it literally means like a cow chewing his cud. And he rolls that grass or whatever's in there overnight like that. He's just chewing on it. But you can't chew on and meditate the word of God unless it's, you're memorizing it. Does that make sense? The question, guys, is what do you want? Now, you get a grip like that. It's going to be hard to get that out of my life. It's going to be hard to take that away from me. It's going to be hard to get me to compromise. I'm not moving. It's rooted in there. It's called conviction. Ah, conviction. It's why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the end of my days. Conviction. Whether it's your marriage, your children, what you do, what you believe. You see that? I've always told guys in my world, I've chosen to do what I do. I've chosen to follow, I've chosen to follow Christ the way I do it to help other guys get on board. And ultimately, the mission of, of search, what I do, is to depopulate hell and to help populate heaven. To join God on that mission. And to help other guys get a part of that mission. To go help other guys. It's called the Great Commission. Right? And I've always told guys, uh, when it comes to money, if it comes to money, the last thing you want to do is what I'm doing. Right? <coughs> but I don't do what I do for money. If it, if, if it was for money, I would do something different. I'd probably go sell something or do something. Right? And be after money. But I'm not after money. And I remember when I was 22 years old, I graduated from college. And I remember so clearly, my father got really sick. 
and I stepped out of college, the last two weeks, right before graduation, my dad has a life-threatening illness. I jump out, and I decide I can't go graduate. I need to go help my dad. And it was about a five-day period. I remember I was so interested in what really mattered. All I can tell you was a weird deal. My dad recovered, and I went back, and I graduated, and I was fine. But I remember distinctly thinking about what really matters. And, and I had a choice to sell insurance for a company called A.O. Williams, what eventually became Primerica, which back in the uh, mid to late 70s, the concept of selling your or getting rid of your long-term, what do they call it, long-term insurance and switching to term, so going from long-term to term, and then invest the difference. You probably heard that phrase, a lot of you guys now, right? You know, buy, buy relatively inexpensive insurance on term and then take the rest of the money that you would use in your long-term health policy and invest the difference in the market. Remember that? No, you don't remember that. You weren't born then. <laughs> but I remember it. Listen, all I can tell you is it, it's a concept that people, Dave Ramsey talks about it all the time. Right? All I can tell you is I so believed in it, I think today I've got friends of mine who did it and they're multimillionaires because it's a level of marketing level kind of thing. And you make money, once you get it going, it just gets going and starts rolling. Well, that was right at the beginning of get rid of your whole life and buy term and invest in the market. Let me tell you, that was not a common thought at all. Probably most of us, that's the way we do it, right? So anyway, I had a choice to do that or to, quote, sell the gospel, to tell people about Christ. And I remember thinking to myself and reading the Bible and listening to God. I remember God so clearly told me, listen, Bill, the only thing that lasts forever is people. That's it. People. You cannot go wrong by choosing to learn how to invest your time, talent, and treasure into people because people will last forever and I remember so distinctly as a college graduate going okay God I'm going to come on staff with Campus Crusade and try to learn how to invest my life to invest in people and even if I do business I still will know how to work and invest my life with people does that make sense? I'm still doing it and when I was about 28 years old, not long before I met your mom, Samuel, I made a decision and I wrote on a piece of paper and I gave my life fully to Christ. I just said, okay, God, I'm yours. I'm locked and loaded. Uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I am yours. I want to be your follower. I give my allegiance fully to you. And I, I wrote on a piece of paper. I've got it in my lockbox to this day. And it's the will and testament of my life given to Jesus Christ. And then I reserved a name that ended up being Samuel's mom. And then when we got married, I invited her to, sit, to sign it as well. And so that's been my life. And uh, so I've chosen to do what I do. But here's, here's the thing, guys. Okay, I'm wrong. It's sort of Pasco's wager. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm 52 years old. I've invested my life in people. But you know what? There is no God. There is no reward. There is nothing after this life. This is it. Um, it's all over. So what have I lost? I mean, really, what have I lost? 
<laughs> I can just tell you, you know, I've had a great adventure. And God has been very faithful to take care of us. Uh, maybe there's some things that I don't have. Perhaps I could if I had more money. But here's the deal. I've, I'm, it's been great. And watching how God moves in the lives of other people and to watch that, be a part of that, man, it's unbelievable. Now, so I really haven't lost anything. I've been having a great time. Can't believe I get to do what I do. But if I'm right, if I'm right, and my life is about investing my life in people, and let's say with you guys, you guys begin to pick up the ball and you start running with God and you start moving from this guy to this guy and you start moving in the world and fulfilling the great commission and you go start making disciples and you start helping people come to Christ and you start communicating to your wife and your children and you start living this out and impacting other people on the sake of Christ. And eternally, the only thing that lasts forever are those people who have been bought by a price through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. His blood shed for them. He purchases us back for eternity. And then we all die. And we get to stand before him. And it's true that he would say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. It's true for all of us. Well, if it's true then the best day of a Christian's life is his death. That's the best day. Not the worst, not the end. It's the best. Because the reward is coming. To stand before God. Does that make sense? Paul writes about it a lot. Jesus talks about it. And so, uh, guys, that's the deal. And so with your life... The only way you'll ever move toward being a man of impact for the sake of the gospel is to take the word of God and make it a rich part of your existence. So that you as a man, because remember a man without a king is like a horse without a bridle. And you're just wild, crazy, doing stupid things. <laughs> But just like a horse that's bridled, it can be used in a very intentional purpose when it allows itself, the horse, to be bridled by its rider. And a man that's bridled by the truth of God and coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ, God can use you, no matter who you are and what you've been doing or what you've done. It's a choice. But uh, let me just tell you what a man has to do. What a man has to be is to abide in Christ and to connect to the word of God. So what is a man to do then? A man is to, number one, come and rest in Christ. Come and rest. Two verbs. Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Matthew chapter 11. Second thing a man is to do. He's not only to come and rest, he's to go and make. Two other verbs. So here's the way it works, guys. Come and rest and then go and make. And all I can tell you is Jesus Christ says the way to grow is to go. And if you don't go, you can't grow. So that's the Great Commission. B, we've been called to do the work of God. And the work of God, Jesus said... Even himself 
is to do the will of Him who sent me and accomplish His work. And the work of God is the redemption, the purchasing back, the invitation of humanity back to their Creator. Accomplished once for all through one man who satisfied the requirement of God by his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ. So through him, all can be made new. It's really an awesome purpose for life. Wow, what a great message to communicate. And so we've been called to do that, just as Jesus was called. Point C, we've been given the power to do the work. Last thing Jesus ever said to his disciples is the Spirit's going to come upon you and give you power to be my witness. To be willing to die for telling the truth about me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all over the world. See you guys later. And the rest is history. And of all the disciples that we know of, apparently all of them were martyred except John, who was sitting in the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Probably what Jesus was whispering to him when he was getting ready to embark upon the mission of going to the cross and Peter was having a cow that Jesus is telling something to John and Peter wasn't in on it. What, what are you talking to him about? We don't know what it was, but I, my guess is uh, Jesus said, hey, listen, John, I'm telling you. I'm gonna, I got some more stuff I want to communicate to you about how the world's going to end. Peter's going, what? And Jesus turned around and said, Peter, here's what I want you to do. Feed my sheep. You just do what I've called you to do. I'll do with John what I'm going to do. I'm going to do with you what I'm going to do. That's all you need to worry about. And so this power is something that is pretty amazing. Point D, we've been given the authority to do the work. So God has authoritatively given us the privilege to share the message of the gospel. E, we've been given the privilege to do the work. In other words, I don't have to share the gospel. I get to share the gospel. So I always tell people, I said, you don't have to read the Bible. You get to read it. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You don't have to obey God. You get to obey God. You don't have to go to heaven. You get to go to heaven. Right? You don't have to share the gospel. You get to. It's a privilege. Everything's a privilege in Christ. Point four. On the cost of the mission, uh, which is your life. Jim Elliott said, he's no fool to give up what he cannot gain to gain what he cannot lose. And then lastly, the greater reward, we talked about this, point A, is you're honored by God. B, you're strengthened by God. C, there is a rejoicing and there is a personal joy and a public joy there in C, point C, in that passage. And then point D, there's an eternal reward, an eternal reward. And that's part of the manhood definition. Remember that? Uh, expect the greater reward, which is God's reward. That's why you do what you do. Because God has never expected a man to do something for nothing. 